This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, you see the big if there on the front of your on the front of your bulletin. The Webster's 1824 dictionary. Why do I say the Webster's 1824 dictionary? Because Webster was a Christian. And the words that he had had gave us the definitions for go along with biblical things. Now, I read the other day that when you're going to start looking at the in the dictionary for, for definitions on stuff, they're chopping them off so that maybe you're going to get a one liner. You're not going to get the full extent of what a word means. You know, if you look it up in an old dictionary, you'll see a word and you'll see, a, I mean, it's got a thing like this, you know, and it just goes on and on and on. So anyway, I recommend if you don't have a Webster's 1824 dictionary, go on, on the Internet, eBay or something, and get yourself one. They're huge. Huge. <laughs> They're huge. He says, if is used as a sign of condition. In other words, if you do this, then I will do that. The Bible is full of the word if. The Bible is conditional. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you will be born again. If you do not receive Jesus' life as your Lord and Savior, then you're not going to heaven, you're going to hell. Right? And you all ascertain that for yourself, right? You figured that out yourself. Okay, so let's open up our little uh, thing here, our little, uh, whatever you call it, our outline. And let's go back to 2 Corinthians 7.14, Old Testament. Second Chronicles 7.14. This is probably an extremely familiar scripture to you. Second Corinthians 7.14. I'm in the New King James. What's that first word? It's if, right? Do you see that word if? It's conditional. Say if. My people... God's talking about his, his kids. He's not talking about this sinner world. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and what? Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Well, I've been hearing that verse for decades now. I've figured it out. Today I added up, how many decades have I heard that? About six decades, that's 60 some odd years. And every once in a while the body of Christ decides that they're going to have a big rally. We're going to have a 2 Corinthians 7.14 rally. And we're all going to get together and we're all going to, we're all going to confess the sins of our fathers. Well, I'm a firm believer that God is smart. He's not stupid. You don't have to keep telling him the same thing over and over and over again. He got it the first time. Right? So, as I begin thinking about this scripture, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into the scripture a little bit more as we go along. But, uh, but, uh, but hold that thought and then go to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. First Thessalonians 
I trust you all have your Bibles with you. We're a word church. You need to bring your Bible. (laughs) I like the kind you write in. (laughs) But that's okay. Whatever floats your boat. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now look at your question. Do you pray without ceasing? Think of your day. I mean, you know, nobody's going to grade this. This is for your benefit. Question, is it possible to pray without ceasing? It is, is it impossible to pray without ceasing? Basically, it is impossible to pray in your native language, which most of you it's English, without ceasing because we run out of things in our minds to pray about. Because when you're praying in, your, in, in English, basically you're praying what's in your mind. We are ignorant of, of a situation. For example, say for instance, all day long the Lord's been placing Aunt Sally on your heart. Well, Aunt Sally lives in Timbuktu. You don't know what's wrong with Aunt Sally. You don't know why Aunt Sally needs prayer. But the Lord does. Right? The Holy Ghost knows what's wrong with Aunt Sally, but we don't. With our natural understanding, we don't have a clue. We can go through our prayers in English, oh, bless Aunt Sally, oh, keep Aunt Sally safe, oh, heal Aunt Sally, but we don't know if any of the above is the problem. You know what I'm saying? It is possible to pray without ceasing if you pray in the Spirit. Now, what is praying in the Spirit? Praying in the Spirit is praying in your your tongues, your prayer language that the Holy Ghost gives you. So you must be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So what does praying in the Spirit or tongues do? It bypasses your mind, okay, so that you're praying out of your spirit, which is connected with God's spirit. Now I want to show you about this. Look at Romans 8, 26 and 27. Explains it really well. Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Uh... King James says infirmities. That word infirmities there is not translated sickness. It's translated your inability to get results. So, back to Aunt Sally again. Unless we're praying in the Spirit, we're not able to pray for whatever the... Well, when we're praying in English, let's put it that way. We are unable to get the results that the Spirit wants because we don't know what the Spirit has to say about the situation. You understand what I mean? Okay, for we do not not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And you can add inarticulate speech. Verse 27. 
Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Not our natural minds, but the minds of the Holy Ghost. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So let's say you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Let's say you have a prayer language. You speak and you pray in tongues. Let's say the Lord places Aunt Sally on your heart. Right away you can start praying in the Spirit for her. And what is happening when you're praying in the Spirit for Aunt Sally in the Spirit in tongues is that you are praying according to this verse, the perfect will of God concerning Aunt Sally. Because the Holy Ghost knows what's going on with Aunt Sally. We don't know. But the Holy Ghost knows. So it bypasses our natural thinking and goes into our spirit, which is hooked up with the Holy Spirit. Right? Okay. So, it is possible to pray without ceasing if you pray in the Holy Ghost. So how do I pray in the Spirit? You must be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And if any of you, you haven't received the, you know, I know most of you in here are all saved, born-again people. But if you've never received the baptism in the Holy Ghost, any one of the people at the prayer altar or any one of our staff can go up to them and say, Hey, I want to receive the Holy Ghost. And they will pray for you. And you will receive the Holy Ghost. So what does, the, what does praying in tongues do? The answer bypasses your mind so that you pray out of your spirit, which is connected to God's spirit. We already talked about Romans 8.26, the mind of Christ. Now look at John um, 16.5. John, not John 16.5, John 16.13. John 16.13. Jesus said, However, when he... The Spirit of truth has come, meaning the Holy Ghost. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, in other words, whatever he hears the Father speak, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. Isn't that cool? That's what the Holy Ghost does. So I'm number four here. What do you pray about mainly? Do you pray about your needs? Yes or no? You know, just check it off. Do you pray about your family, your marriage, all that kind of stuff? Do you pray for yourself? Lord, help me to lose weight. Lord, help me to win the race. Lord, you know, stuff like that. Lord, help me, prayers. Number four, or are you praying what is on the Father's heart. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Most people don't have a clue on how to pray what's on the Father's heart. Statistics say that 1% of believers in the body of Christ pray what's on the Father's heart. 1%. So think about why the world is in such a mess. Believers aren't praying what's on the Father's heart. God's will is not being done on the earth because believers are all wrapped up in A, B, and C and are not asking the Father, what's on your heart, Father? 
What's your heart's cry today, Lord? Wow. Think about it. We are so wrapped up in me, myself, and I that we don't really care what God wants sometimes. We figure like, oh, he's the great mighty one. He's got this whole thing in control. No, he doesn't. I'm jumping ahead of myself, but in, uh, where is that? Where is that verse at? Where it says, uh, yeah, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, skipping down a little bit, says that Satan is the little G, the little God of this world. Satan's the one that's in control. God is in control if we ask God to be in control. Otherwise, Satan's having a heyday. And if you haven't seen the news or what's going on in the world, and I even quit watching the news, I can't stand it any longer. I get little snippets of it just so I'm not ignorant of what's going on. But the devil's having a heyday, not only in America, but across the world. So, if we want God to be in control in our lives, you know, many of you can testify to this. When you come up to the prayer line, and you come up with a prayer request to me, I always ask God to intervene in your situation. Let's get God on the scene. When God gets on the scene, whether it's your personal issue or whether it's the issues that are on the Father's heart, when God's on the scene, that's when things change. Right? And that's what we're lacking in. God's not on the scene. He's up there looking down saying, Come on, people. You're my voice. But you're not asking me what I want prayed about. You're not coming to me with that. All you're coming to me is with your needs and your wants and your desires and gimme, 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 God. Shoo-wee. Praying for A, B, and C isn't wrong for your needs, your family, yourself. But... And I already told you that. Statistics show that 1% pray for what is on the Father's heart, and that is what's wrong. As a whole, the body of Christ is failing when it comes to prayer. We are failures. We're failing the Father. We're failing one another. We're failing our nation. Look at James 4. James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yes, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. We are not receiving because we are not asking. The character of God is that he will not move unless we ask him to move. He's not going to do diddly squat unless we ask him to. Why? He is the super gentleman. He is not going to come and force his way into our situation, our nation, or anything. He will not intervene unless we ask him to intervene. 
So who's in control of the earth? God or Satan? Okay. And that's in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. We won't go there. Now, you don't have to go here. I'm just going to tell you this. You can write this down, though. Well, no, you got it in your notes. Exodus 3, 7 through 9 in the New Living Translation. This is talking about the Israelites back in, uh, in uh, Exodus. Prayer. God's people cried out. God's people cried out. What was their problem? They were slaves in Egypt. Do you notice God didn't do anything about the fact that they were slaves in Egypt until God's people cried out? In other words, God's people started to pray. Right? God answered. Woohoo! That's his nature. You cry, he answers. He sent Moses, and there's your scripture reference for that. He sent leadership. Why? Because people need a leader. People today need leaders. God needs Christian politicians. If you're called to run for any kind of office, from dog catcher to president of the United States, you let us know. And if you line up with the word of God, we'll back you 100%. It's not a sin to run for political office. Yeah, it's a dirty business, but I'm seeing believers, one after another, all the time, stepping up to the plate and running for office because they've had enough. God's had enough. And then the people come together in unity. The people gathered together in unity under Moses, and God was able to move because his people came together in unity. His people and to conquer and to do the impossible, which was to part the Red Sea and to let God's people go. There is much that God wants to do and can't because his hands are tied because we have tied his hands. Do you understand where I'm going with this thing? You've never looked at it this way before, I'm sure, because 99% of the Christian body of Christ doesn't look at it, has never looked at it this way. Remember, 1% prays, Father, what's on your heart? 1%. And that's why precious little is being done when God wants to do so much more. You know the if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray part? You know that part? We read that. Second Chronicles 7.14. We have to stop our wicked ways. Oh. Does that mean that we have to stop every time they have one of these rallies and the Christians show up and they're praying for the sins of our forefathers? Do we have to stop doing that? Yes. What are our wicked ways? Our wicked ways are that we are not and have not been praying the Father's heart. If my people, if, if, see on the front of your book thing here, if, if my people call on my name, humble themselves and pray, then I will heal their land. But we don't have a clue what's on the Father's heart to pray about because we don't ask. 
We're too busy asking for our own self. The world is in a mess and it's our fault because we have failed to pray for things other than what we want prayed about for our own selves, our own families. Look at Leviticus 26.8. I'm not here to put condemnation on people. I'm here to challenge us because we've got to do something. And the something we've got to do is pray. Leviticus 26, verse 8. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. There's also scripture that says one will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. In prayer, Jesus said, where two or more of you are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of you. But think about that. If five of us are gathered together, 10,000 devils are on the run. Think about that. Is that cool or what? Amen. So what is the answer to our prayer failure? Number one, we need to answer the call and say, yes, Lord, I will go. Go where? Where are we going to go? We're going to go to prayer. You know, most of you, he's not asking you to go to Africa or India or Nepal or any of these other places that our missionaries go. Can you go to prayer? Yes, Lord, I'm willing to learn. You're willing to learn how to ask the Father what's on his heart. Put some footwork to your commitment. Warfare Prayer 1, first group. Meets Tuesday mornings at 9.30 in the officer in victory. This is where we go to prayer. We roll up our sleeves and we say, Father, what's on your heart? And I'll tell you in a minute some of the stuff that we've prayed about. I mean, it's just amazing, the stuff that he has us pray about. Warfare Prayer 2 I started. It's on Sunday nights at 5. Obviously, it uh, doesn't go as long as uh, the Tuesday morning one does. But you know, in all reality, I think Tuesday morning prayer only goes for about an hour. Where's Maxine? Here's my Maxine. She's my number one prayer. That woman, if I need something, I call Maxine. Maxine, da-da, this is what, we, this is what we're doing, Maxine. She's at both prayer meetings. She comes to Tuesday morning. She comes to Sunday night prayer meetings. She's there. She's a prayer warrior. You weren't always a prayer warrior, were you? No. You got born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues, and came to prayer. Duh, right? You learned how to pray, right? What do I need to do to become a part? Be born again, be baptized in the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues, be on time. Surely you can be on time for prayer. Be willing to learn how to pray this way. Bring your Bible, your notebook, make the quality decision, and be committed. You know, as I was writing this, I was thinking about men. Most of you men in here, a lot of you have been to war. You've been in the military service. Can you come to warfare prayer? Can you come and battle in the heavenlies? 
You know, I started this Sunday night prayer meeting and Rosalinda was coming. Now oh, she's got a little obligation she has to attend to. But she <laughs> she talked to me after the service that day. You know, we went to prayer. Then she said, I cannot believe the power of God, the presence of God that's all over me. She was just overwhelmed just by going to prayer, this kind of prayer. The presence of God in those prayer meetings is so powerful. And she said, I've never felt this before. I've never felt God's presence like this before. It's a powerful thing. Amen. I mean, you, I can't explain it to you. You just have to come and experience it. You know, I, I just want to tell you something. Uh, you know, you may be saying, well, I don't like to pray. <laughs> Confession. I didn't like to pray either. I did not like prayer meetings. I did not like coming to prayer meetings. I didn't like them at all. I thought they were boring. People kept repeating themselves over and over and over again. I thought, oh, shut up. He heard you the first time. You know, it just would irritate me to come to prayer meetings. And so one day the Holy Ghost comes to me and he says, I want you, meaning me, me, to start a weekly prayer group. And he wanted me to lead it because he knew I would be faithful in it. But I didn't want to do it. I reluctantly told him I would do it. I was obedient, but I really wasn't willing. I went screaming and (laughs) he had to haul me in there. You know what I mean? I did not want to do it. But now my entire attitude about prayer has changed because he taught me how he wanted these prayer meetings to be. And I love to pray now. I went from a person who hated it, group prayer meetings, to a person who loves it. You know, our, our sin as believers has not been, going back to the Second Chronicles things, has not been a sin of commission. It's not that we've done something. Most of us in here, we stay pretty sin-free. You know, if we sin, we go to the Father, ask Him to forgive us. You know, we get it, you know, cleanse us, you know, First John 1, 9. Our, our sin has been a sin of omission. We have omitted praying what's on the Father's heart. That's our sin. That's the sin that we need to ask the Lord to forgive us from and do something about it. And do something about it. Let me see here. I want to tell you some of the stuff that we pray about. Let me tell you how this prayer meeting works. Usually it's me. Sometimes if I can't be there, it'll be Pastor Dave or, or, or somebody else will be leading the group. The leader of the group will ask the Father, Holy Ghost, what's on the Father's heart? What does he want prayed about today? What does he want changed in our world today that we can be a part of, that we can do this thing for you, Father? And he tells us one thing. He'll give me one topic. One. We don't pray about ten topics at this prayer meeting. We don't pray for Aunt Sally at this prayer meeting. We don't pray for you. Sometimes we do. I take that back. We don't pray for this, that, or the other thing. We pray for what's on the Father's heart that day. One topic. We take that one thing to prayer and we pray it out. So God's hands are untied and he can move 
and he can change our society and our world. Let me look at your little leadership thing here. What to expect at warfare prayer in the back of your thing. Okay, so here we are. We've got the topic. We all pray in the Spirit. We're all tongue talkers. If the Lord gives us, gives one of us something to pray in English, that person speaks up and prays in our known tongue while the rest of us continue to pray softly in tongues so that we will be in agreement with the known prayer that is being prayed in English. The Lord gives us scripture to turn to. And you would be surprised the stuff God gives us out of the Bible. Sometimes the Lord will give one of us a little vision of something pertaining to the topic which we share at the end of the group. This prayer meeting is powerful. We know he is there with us. We are rejoicing because we know we have prayed out his will. We create with our words what he wants established, just as he created in Genesis when it says, And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. The fathers by the Holy Ghost shows us what to say, what to speak out, what to create, or what to bind. We incorporate all types of prayer, supplication, intercession, thanksgiving, worship, binding Satan from his maneuvers and plans, etc. We do go into this prayer group like little kittens, and we do come out roaring like the Lion of Judah, because we, it's powerful. We know that when we come out of that prayer group, we have prayed what's on the Father's heart. We have pleased him. We have put into existence, or we have stopped something from happening. I want to show you just some of the stuff that we've prayed about. For revival. It's on the Father's heart. Revival means that's for believers who have walked away from God to be revived again. That's what a revival is. Get the backsliders in. For a great awakening to sweep across of our nation. So Pastor Dave here, he can tell you about all the great awakenings that the United States has been through in England and all the places. Great awakening means to awaken a society, a nation, to God himself. They don't have a clue who God is other than to use his name as a cuss word. They don't have a clue who Jesus Christ is. They don't have a clue. So a great awakening awakens, awakens the people who never even heard of him. All of a sudden, they're hearing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all over the place. A great awakening. We pray for Roe v. Wade to be, return, to be overturned. You know, it's going before the Supreme Court. Hallelujah. So when we go into prayer and the, and the Holy Ghost says, I want you to pray about Roe v. Wade today. Yes, sir. That's what we pray about. Sometimes we pray about sex trafficking. That is a tearjerker thing to pray about, but that is pathetic. Sometimes we pray about the Supreme Court. Sometimes we pray for the elections. One day the Holy Ghost said this was in a Sunday night prayer meeting. He said, I want you to pray about Israel. Okay. A week later, Israel was hit by the Palestinians. This was recent. Remember that when they got hit? You know? That was pretty cool. One day he had us pray for love. He said, I said, Lord, what's the topic today? He said, love. I said, love. Boy, that's a big one. Boy, that was a powerful prayer meeting. Oh, my gosh. 
You cannot imagine the love that the Father was able to pour out through us about just that topic. Sometimes we pray for the body of Christ. Sometimes we do pray for the people in the church. We pray for salvations, for people to be born again. We pray for laborers in his harvest field to go out and win people to the Lord. The word says, pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers. Because there are not enough people out there witnessing and telling people about Jesus. We're in our own selfish, stupid little world. And we could care less. As long as we're saved and our little family's saved. Recently, Maxine and I, Pastor and Pastor Dave come to that the Sunday, the Tuesday morning one, calling in people who will come to prayer. You don't have to have a big booming voice from heaven. Come to prayer. I am calling you. Come to prayer. No. You look on the calendar. If you're not working, it's Tuesday morning. It's 9:30. Uh oh. Wait a minute. That's too late. They've already started. It's eight o'clock. I gotta get up, I gotta get dressed, I gotta get the kids to school or wherever. I gotta get to prayer at 9.30. Sharp. Sharp. We start on time. You be there sharp. We don't want God to be late for us. We don't be late for God. We be there and we be there on time. Did you know that Pastor and I met each other at a prayer meeting? Almost 40 years ago now, we met at a prayer meeting. I've been, prayer meetings forever. What? 41? Yeah, okay. 41 years ago, right. I met him at a prayer meeting. Yes, indeed, I did. I met him at a prayer meeting. Wow. Labor Day 1980. See, he even knows. (laughs) Okay. Now, this is what we've been praying for recently. For several weeks, except for yesterday, he had us pray, he's had us pray for the California governor's recall race election on September 14th. Why in the world would God have you pray for that? That's ridiculous. I don't believe God would have you pray for that. Oh, yes, he would. Number one, there's been confusion over this whole thing. People don't know when they're supposed to vote. The date's September 14th. They don't know how they're going to vote. There's two questions on it. Question number one, do you want to recall Governor Newsom, yes or no? If you say yes, you go to question two. Who do you want to replace him? And then you pick a candidate. We've got some real winners running. We've got a porn star. We've got a guy who thinks he's a girl. We've got some other folks. But we've got a Christian black man has stepped up to the plate. Christian black man has stepped up to the plate. I believe it's through prayer. It's kind of a last-minute thing. We call people in to run. It's very obvious why God cares about the California governor's election, and I'll tell you why. Have you ever heard the saying, as California goes, so goes the nation? We don't want the nation going like California's gone. California has taken everything bad across the nation because the rest of America says, well, California did it. We better do it. Well, baloney. The only thing that the rest of the nation needs to pick up from California is like the Azusa Street Revival in 1906. Down in Azusa Street, we started Pentecostalism all over the place, restored the baptism of the Holy Ghost to the body of Christ, 
And that spread across the nation and is still spreading across the nation. That's what California needs to spread across the nation. So we need to stop the ungodliness in California. We need to stop the kids in the public school from learning about sexual things when they're in kindergarten, perverted sexual things when they're in school, when they need to stop the critical race theory, which is dividing us and not uniting us. California has got to change. And it will only change if we what? Pray what? What's on the Father's heart? This is a prayer topic we're still on. A bunch of us prayers have a list of the senators that are opposing this. There's a whole slew of them. I found out what their quote-unquote religious background is. You would be amazed. we got a holiness guy. Holiness guy that votes against this stuff. You know, all different kinds of people. So we've been praying and interceding for them. We don't do this every week. We, we kind of took the list home with us. But we lay hands on those, on, those, on those senators. We call forth their names and we say, Father, visit them in the night watches. If they've ever been to church, they've heard the word of God. They've heard it. They've seen a verse on the wall. Something. Lord, maybe they've got children or grandchildren that are wanting to know about Jesus. So we're praying for them. So that they, when they go into the Senate, they're voting godly and they're not voting devil stuff. He shows us by his spirit what to pray, what to speak out, what to bind. You know, once again, God created the heavens and the earth with his words, and so he, has, he moves through us. We speak out. You know, there's a time and a place for all kinds of prayers. I'm not dissing. I'm not dissing you praying for your family. I'm not dissing you praying for, you know, yourself. I'm not dissing that. I'm not dissing. I want you to come up to the altar. In fact, these altars are always open. If you want to come up here and pray before a service, go for it. If you want to come up here and kneel at the altar during worship, go for it. If you want to come up here and pray after the service, there's the altar. It's, it's for you. It's there for you to pray for whatever's on your heart. You know, come up when we have our altar call, that kind of thing. Joshua, you want to go on up, honey? But anyway, I want you to, I'm, I'm, I'm releasing, the, I'm not condemning you, okay? I'm t- I told you the problem. The problem is, 1% of the body of Christ is praying what's on the Father's heart. That should not be so. It should be 100% of us are praying what's on the Father's heart. For the hundredth time, I'm inviting you to come to warfare prayer. Your life will change. You will change the world. Tuesday mornings, 9.30 in either Victory or the office building. Sunday night at 5 o'clock. You husbands and wives, trade off. You know, if, you're coming, if you're both working, if you come on a Sunday night, one of you watch the kids that night and the other one go, come back and pray and then switch off. When I met him at a prayer meeting, I had somebody watch my children for me. I paid a babysitter to pray to, so I could go pray. Or we traded off. I had a group of women that we would trade off. I'll watch your kids on Tuesday. If you watch my kids on Wednesday, you know, we trade it off. You don't have to be involved in everything. 
If you want to come to prayer, we're only there like from 9.30 to 10.30, give or take, and we're out. Do not call Maxine to watch your kids. <laughs> Maxine's not available on Tuesday mornings or Sunday nights to watch your kids. But, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I just got to cut it off. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 